Good morning. It is good to see you here, and it is good to be here. Why don't we start by singing together hymn number 29, and why don't we stand to sing it? Hymn number 29. If any of you uh, think of the German title to this song, you can tell me later. I was trying to figure it out, and I couldn't, but the melody will be familiar. Thank you, Pastor Victor. That's a good way to start the service, get the blood flowing and get into it. Good morning. morning. Welcome to this time of worship. We are glad you could join us. And if you're a guest or a regular attender here, we wish that you will be blessed as you participate with us. Our theme, encouragement for the race of life, and our topic this morning, reminded me of last week when Sidney Kloss and the speed skater shared about perseverance, striving for a life of excellence. The perseverance she was talking about was preparation. Prepare so well that your natural response will be the right one. So our topic today is how to tame, control the tongue. I'll leave us with a question. Do you think this involves preparation? Shall we pray together? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us a desire to be prepared. Only you, Father, know what is in front of us. Father, we ask for your forgiveness because a response has not always glorified you. Help us to prepare our hearts and minds. Then may we come prepared to represent you in all we do. Refresh us and renew us as we worship together today. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Alvin. I think preparation is a good thing. And one way we can do that is remember who is Lord. Let's sing number 95. All hail the power of Jesus' name.
and turn to uh, 349, and we'll continue asking questions. How shall I follow him I serve? Maybe it doesn't sound familiar, but I think the melody you will recognize. Let's um, take our bulletins and um, take a look at some of the things that are happening in our church community. Our missionaries of the week are K and K, and let's remember them um, and pray for them during this week. We have a church family picnic coming, and they need uh, for some of you, not me, to bake some cookies and um, you can sign up in the foyer. We have a VBS that will be happening on August 2 to 5, and uh, um, Anna is looking for volunteers, so uh, give her a call and, and uh, join her with that uh, ministry. And um, let's continue to pray for our future. Uh, spend some special time with that, and if uh, the church will be open so that you can spend it here. 
Um, I just want to let you know that we have uh, four families, Ukrainian families, here already. There's another three um, that are underway this month. Um, and we want to thank you for the items that we have received. And some of you have um, provided financial gifts as well. Uh, thank you very much. Um, pray that we will be able to find jobs for them. Because as we're able to do that, we can multiply the gifts. You know, they then can um, help themselves or take care of themselves after they have work. And then we can help another family. And so thank you very much. And it's been, if, you are, if you're able to, spend a little time with them. They have very interesting stories. We have um, some persons with health needs, um, Rita Friesen, Terp Thiessen, and Marge Thiessen. Let's pray for them. But we know that there are others that are at home that are, that are dealing with illness and that need God's um, peace and guidance as they walk in that. We have a women's fellowship evening. There's a Bolton insert, just take an opportunity to read that and men support your wives, but you can't come. There's some very, very interesting quotes in the back of this, so take the time to read them. There's um, scripture passages for the week and our coming events, June 5th, the church family picnic and the quarterly membership meeting. So there's lots of good things happening, and let's take a moment and time to pray over some of these. Father, we, we thank you for our, our studying that's going on during the week. Be with the leaders. Father, we thank you for the prayer times that we have, and also walk with the, with the leaders as they, as they lead for the women's prayer out, for the ladies' evening out, and for, for the church family event. Father, we ask for your leading and guiding. Give those that are in charge uh, a joy to serve. And Father, for, for those of us who are able to help us to walk with them and to give them a support and, and our energy and encouragement. And Father, as we Continue to pray for the future. Lead us, guide us, show us the way. Father, we want to pray for the Ukrainian families as they're um, you know, starting, as they're coming. Help us to be good hosts. Help us to walk with them. Help us to have patience with them. And Father, pray that they will find work so that they can support their own, their families and uh, Father, be with the children as they start school, and it's all new for them. And um, Father, give them, give them your peace, and help them to know that this was a right decision for them to come, because for many of them, there's been lots of trauma, and, um, and lots of things to, to sort out and work through. They have left families behind, and Father, that's, that for them is a concern, and um, so we pray for your, your hand over them. Father, walk with um, our health care community as they help Rita and, and, and Terp and Marge 
in their walk with their health. And Father, we want to pray for those others that we know of in our congregation that are, that are walking daily with, with illness and um, are looking to you for healing, are looking to, to you for, for answers. And Father, we know that you have, your promise is that you will never leave or forsake us. And Father, we, we go um, in that knowledge. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time we have to gather. And Father, be with Pastor Dean, anoint his words as he speaks to us. And Father, just multiply the gifts as, as, we, as they are given and presented to you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Call on the ushers to come forward. Good morning. Scripture reading this morning is taken from James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, 
because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. When the tongue, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Thus far the reading of God's word. Good morning. This past week we've had wind, rain, and today we've got a beautiful day. The sun is shining. It's great to come to church. It's good to see so many smiling faces. It's good to fellowship. It's good to be with other people. I have one announcement that was um, uh, missed that I've been meant uh, that I've been asked to share, and that's on uh, the expression of sympathy. Aaron Enns passed away on Friday, April the 29th. His funeral was held on Tuesday, the May 3rd, and he was a brother to Martha and Abe Dirksen. You, of course, can remember his family in prayer. <clears throat> James, the brother of our Lord, writing to the church scattered across the known world in James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, says this, or he says this, all kinds of animal, animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. John MacArthur Arthur puts it plainly by saying, there are some sins that an individual may be able to commit simply because he does not have the opportunity. But there is no limit to, the, to what can be said by the tongue, and it cannot be restrained with boundaries. In scripture, the tongue is variously described as wicked, deceitful, perverse, filthy, corrupt, flattering, slanderous, gossiping, blasphemous, foolish, boasting, complaining, cursing, contentious, sensual, 
vile, and that is only the beginning. No wonder God put the tongue in a cage behind the teeth, walled in the mouth, close quote. The tongue is in a slippery place. It's in moisture, and it does slip. It is easy to let our tongues slip. We get angry because of what someone has done, and we carelessly let the bullets fly from our mouth. Or we have spoken without thinking of the consequences of the words that they will have. In his book, 101 Moments of Hope, Edward Grinham tells this story. I had a mentally challenged brother who was four years older and idolized me. One afternoon, shortly after I started attending school for full days, Bobby, who only went to school in the mornings, thought he would do me a favor by going and taking hot boiling water and pouring it in to my turtles. It was there my turtles were both, say Sarge and Rex. They'd come from the local five and ten store. I arrived that afternoon and went directly to feed my turtles. But there they were. My brother had poured this water on them, the hot, boiling, scalding water. My turtles could not escape to the little island with the plastic palm tree, for he had submerged it. I was angry at what he had done, and also frightened that he could have made such a dreadful mistake. Just then, Bobby and Mum walked into the room. You stupid! I started to shout, and I caught myself too late. Bobby's pale blue eyes, which according to my mother had not changed color since he was born, bloomed with hurt. Mum sent him out back to play. I felt horrible. I think he was as I think she was as close to striking me as she would have ever come. She grabbed my shoulders instead and said in a voice so seriousness with so full of seriousness and conviction it startled me. Just remember God put us here to help him. Just remember God put us here to help him, close quote. Yes, words that come from our mouths can wound, heal, crush, or help people. Let me ask you a question today. How many of you have been hurt or crushed by people that have said something? How many? Yes. Second, how many of us have hurt or crushed people? How many of us? And if we're all honest, we can say that we have been on both sides of the fence. Along with James, we can also say, no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So if no man can tame the tongue, is there any hope for us today? The answer is yes, and I've entitled this message this morning. It's a two-part message, how to tame or control the tongue. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we know how powerful the tongue can be. Can be used for good, can be used for evil. In each and every case, we have used our tongue for good and for evil. None of us are exempt. And we realize that as you have written to us, it is something that the church needed at that time and needs today also. For with it, we condemn man. We can praise God, and that not ought how it ought to be. I pray, Father, that you would give us new light on how we can do what is right in your sight, for we cannot do it without your help. We ask for your strength and guidance. Amen. How to tame or control the tongue. Number one, by realizing we will be held accountable for the words that we speak. We can tame the tongue, which will have, by realizing we will be held accountable for the words we have spoken. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you have known we who teach will be judged more strictly. James is talking actually about two parts. One, those who speak or teach or preach, those also who use their tongue in any other avenue of life. It appears that many within the body want to be teachers or preachers. James is not trying to discourage those individuals, but rather giving them a serious warning in which their call is coming. Those who teach will be judged more strictly for instructing people on how they live. They will give an account of the words they have spoken. If they are not accurate in handling the word, the flock may be led astray. Also, they influence others by the way they live. However, James is not saying since a person is not a teacher that they do not have to live up to the standards. The standards from scriptures are given. Everyone is required to live by the same standards and you cannot get around that. It's just that some will be judged more strictly than others. We're all called to obey the scriptures. We're all called to follow what God has said. So every believer will give an account of the words they have spoken before the Lord one day. James does not say when or where we have, where we will give an account. But other scriptures point us to that place. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. As we stand before the Lord one day, everything is measured out. We will understand at that time. There are things each one of us that have done that is good, which will be rewarded. And there are also things that we have done that are bad, or you could say evil. And at that time, the Lord will hand out what 
he will give to us in regards to rewards. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 echoes this. The apostle Paul says this, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, woods, hay, or straw, his works will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. And what is the foundation that he is talking about is Jesus Christ. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer lost. He himself will be saved, but only as ones escaping through the flames." The author of the books of Hebrews says this when he's speaking to both leaders and the flock of God. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for what would be, uh, for what, for that would be of no advantage to you. When I was young, I would ask my mom if I could go and do certain things or go to certain places. When she would say no, I would continue to press her because I wanted to her to say yes to me. Then I've heard her say these words a number of times to me. She said, I have to give an account before the Lord one day how I raised you and I cannot let you do that. I will give an account one day on the way that I have raised you and I cannot let you do that. We will give an account one day for what we have done. James says this in verse two, we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. We all indeed stumble in many ways. We all sin in word, thought, or deed every day. Continuing from verse 1, James is speaking about the tongue and that if the tongue is controlled, the rest of the person's character will follow. The reason is that the tongue is really the reflection of the heart and it's the other way around. The tongue only does what the heart tells it to do and say. If you want to know a person and what he is like, listen to what they say. Listen to what they say. Yes, there are all times that we have slipped and stumbled. A wise person takes it before the Lord, changes his path, asks the Lord for forgiveness, and strengthen him to do it not again. However, some people never get victory over their tongue because they do not let the Lord change their heart. And it is possible that we can, do not learn from our experiences. We must realize that sometimes we do not learn because people are unaware or they do not have self-awareness. When you have no self-awareness, you can not change. What is self-awareness? 
It's simply knowing how you are impacting other individuals. James Dobson says this, that he gets letters from mothers all the time. One mother wrote him and said, my three-year-old goes around biting other children. I can't explain what he is doing is wrong. How do I handle this? Dobson simply said this. He says, take your child, take their hand, and gently put it in your mouth, and press with your teeth until they can feel some pain. Then explain, that's how it feels when you are biting others. And the people write back and said, it works. But it's true that even as adults, sometimes people do not raise, they do not have any self-awareness, and they shoot and they do things to many people over and over and over again, never realizing the pain that they are causing. I once, my sister has a friend who would play the piano for her. Beautiful musician, she's gone on, taken further education. She is a wonderful pianist. And yet, when she was in church, she sang one day, and an older boy came up to her and said, you can't sing. And she never sang again, even though she had a beautiful voice. It's possible to say things to people and not even realize the impact that one may be having on them. It's interesting to note that the three disciples closest to Christ were Peter, James, and John. And John uh, and, and the James that we're speaking about here is not James, the brother of the Lord who wrote the book of James, but James, the disciple, the brother to John. So Peter, James, and John. As Jesus and the disciples were heading up to Jerusalem just days before the crucifixion, Jesus wanted to stop in Samaria. However, the Samaritans did not want Jesus to come. So James and John, known as the son of Sunders, said this, Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy these, them? The scripture then says that Jesus rebuked them. On another occasion, Jesus told disciples that he would be going up to Jerusalem to suffer many things. He would be killed and rise from the dead on the third day. Peter took Jesus' side and rebuked him. This isn't going to happen to you. And Jesus said this, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Close quote. In both accounts, in both accounts, what came out of the disciples' mouths was pure evil. And that is why Jesus rebuked them. In the first case, Peter and John wanted to kill the Samaritans because they were not accepting Jesus. In the second case, Peter wanted to dissuade Jesus from fulfilling the divine plan of redemption. Yet the disciples thought, 
what they were doing was good and honorable. I want you to think, I want you to listen to this one more time. This is really important. The disciples thought what they were doing was good and honorable in both cases. It is possible for you and for I to do things thinking that it is good and it is honorable only to be deceived and to know that we are working against the Lord. And most people who say things and do things do it because they think they are right. Can that be the story of our lives today? We let our tongues say the things that should never come out of a believer's life. And we have to be reminded by the Lord, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. So the first step on how to tame and control the tongue is by realizing, reminding ourselves, we will be held accountable for the words we have spoken. We will be held accountable. Now we come to the second step on how to control the tongue. Number two, by observing the massive good or the massive destruction left behind by such a small member. By observing the massive good or the massive destruction left behind by such a small member. Electricity, atomic energy, a gun, a knife, and a hammer can be used for good or destruction. In the same way, our words can have the same type of impact on others. James continues to paint the picture of the power of the tongue. Listen again as I read verses three through six. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by a strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it is set and is set itself on fire by hell. How can something so small have such an enormous impact? James uses well-known examples 
to communicate his message to those who are scattered across the known world. For that's who James is writing. It was the church in Jerusalem that was scattered abroad. And he writes to them. The first is the bit and the horse. Although it is not mentioned that the bit is tiny, everyone is well aware of the size it has, it is in compared to the rest of the horse. Here the bit has the power to turn the animal and make it productive to the owner. The second is the rudder and the ship. The rudder is small and strong enough to steer the ship in the opposite direction the wind is blowing. It can steer the ship contrary to the undercurrents that it, is, it has to reach its destination. The third example is that of a spark of a forest fire. Notice how each of the illustrations James uses, it, they grow or they get bigger. The horse is powerful, but it does not match the size of a ship. The horse is powerful, but it, can, it has to be carried or can be carried on the, on the ship. However, the spark that starts the forest fire can engulf the whole landscape, the whole forest, and bring massive destruction and death. Listen again to what, De what James says to us this morning in verses 5 and 6. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. David was a man who loved the Lord and is known as a man after God's own heart. Yet he had a hot temper, temper that needed to be tamed and controlled. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, David and his men had been on the run from Saul. While he was in, de while he was in the desert, he needed provisions for his men. So he watched over a rich farmer by the name of Nabal and who had a wife named Abigail. Then David asked Nabal if he would supply his men with food, and he refused. David was enraged and got ready to destroy Nabal. In the meantime, Abigail learned about what was taking place, and she intervened, bringing a large amount of food to David to supply his men. After that, she treated him with respect and honor, and David did not attack Nabal. Unfortunately, Nabal then dies of a heart attack, and David takes Abigail to be his wife. David's anger was understandable, but he had no right to slay Nabal even though Nabal refused to provide for his men. Had David done what his heart wanted to do, he would have sinned against God, and Judah would have never followed David had he committed this grievous act. 
Notice that David's heart was in the wrong and his tongue revealed his intent. David realized that God had intervened at this time, at this crucial time. 1 Samuel 25, 39, David says, God kept his servant from doing wrong. Now, why does God intervene at certain times? We do not know. Because he intervened at this particular time in David's life, but there were other times God did not intervene. And he let David do what he wanted. The consequences can always be disastrous. And it could have been, but, David, but God spared him from that. So what can we learn from God's word? And what can we put into action this day, this week, and this month ahead? First, we must realize and remember that we will give an account of every word, every careless word that we have spoken. For, our word, for by our words we will be acquitted, and by our words we will be condemned. Our words can bring destruction, or our words can bring healing and encouragement. The choice is always ours. The choice is always ours. Second, ask God to show us the results ahead of time of the destruction of the tongue will cause before we speak. Often we don't think it through. We just speak or go ahead. Ask the Lord to intervene for us and others when our hearts are not in line with his the same way that God intervened for David. And before he did his actions, before it took place, God intervened. More than ever, we need a change of heart before we can have a change of tongue. I simply close with this short experience. I have hearing loss. I've had hearing loss for a number of years. Once when I went hunting with a group of other men, I was walking along, a shot was fired, I was standing too close to the rifle, and I had significant hearing loss in my left ear. Then again, I went to fill up a tire on a dolly. I'd taken the dolly home, was filling up the, top, the tire in front of my garage, and I put too much air and exploded. And once again, I ended up with significant hearing loss on my right ear as well. One day, my son was working in the garage, and he was using all the equipment and the saws and the routers and everything else. And my wife walked into the garage, and she said, Austin, put on the hearing, put on, the, uh, on some hearing um, proof. And Austin says, no, 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 I'm okay, Mom, I'm okay. Yes, put it on, you need it. No, Mom, I'm all right. Austin, if you keep this up, you will have hearing loss. No, Mom, I'm okay. Austin, do you want to be like your dad? Okay, Mom, I'll go put it on. That's knowing 
If we can look around and learn from others before we speak, if we can look and see from our own lives the destruction that has happened before we speak, it will help turn us around. Ultimately, we must pray, God intervene in my life so that I will do what is right. Take our hymn books and turn to number 358. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Listen to these words as you sing them. I think they're good for us today. stand for the benediction. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you for the love you have showered upon us.
We thank you that we have brothers and sisters. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us a mission, and that is to share the gospel with others. Help us, Lord, to realize that our tongues can bring harm and hurt. Forgive us where we have failed. Lord, help us to replace those words with healing. Help us to replace those words with encouragement. Heavenly Father, we ask for your strength. We all stumble in many ways, and it is only by your grace and strength we can continue. We pray, Father, that your hand would be upon us in everything we do and in also everything we say. Now the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God and of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. Amen. And may you go in the strength and the power of his grace.